Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can find us online at www.thesecretteachings.info. You'll find on our website all of our show promos to give you an idea of what upcoming shows are about and what guests we're having on. You'll also find our free show archive there or just search the show name on any radio or podcast player or application and listen to the show for free through any of those platforms. Of course, when you listen for free, it doesn't cost you anything because it's free, but we actually get paid when you listen to those free shows. So that financially supports us and it doesn't cost you anything. And if you'd like to get access to the ad-free archive, you can subscribe on our website or more so now because we're moving the archive over on aftermath.media. The new archive is over there, but we have the old archive on our website still. For those of you who are subscribers, you can renew your subscription. You can keep your subscription. If you go over to Aftermath Media, you can get just the secret teachings or for a little bit more, you can get Clyde Lewis's Ground Zero and the secret teachings. And there probably isn't a better way to subscribe, a better combination of shows to subscribe to in radio, if I may say so. I mean, you're going to get Ground Zero in and of itself is worth it. And then you get the secret teachings if you enjoy this show. You get them both together in the premium package. And that is, again, on Aftermath.media, something that you're not going to find anywhere else. Tonight on the broadcast, we have the one and only Leo Zagami on the show. Leo is a good friend of The Secret Teachings. He's also a good friend of mine. And we have a mutual relationship, a mutual friendship with Brad Olson, who published some of Leo's books uh, through his publishing company. And uh, we had Brad on the show last week. We'll have Leo on the show tonight. And we also have Laura Lavender coming up tomorrow. We're going to talk about Santa Morte and Kali, the Hindu goddess or the, the Hindu conception of uh, blackness and darkness, but also of creation. And there's a parallel between Kali and Santa Morte. So we'll talk with Laura Lavender from Mysteries Beyond about that. And then we have a two-part remote broadcast this week, Wednesday and Thursday. We will be speaking with Andrew Cox, the owner of Nexus Occult Books. And that is going to be a mind-blowing and entertaining conversation You don't want to miss that. If you're in Tucson, uh, Arizona, if you're coming to Tucson, you should go check out Nexus Occult Books. They don't pay me. They don't sponsor me. That would be cool if they did, but uh, they're just a really good bookstore. And it's, you know, whether it's a bookstore or whether it's a, uh, you know, just any company or an individual, you know, the stuff I promote on this show, I'm not getting paid to do it. If I promote something, it's because I I believe in it, Uh, with the exception of, um, uh, the water filters. I actually kind of forgot we we had a water filter uh, affiliate with Pro One. Uh, I just got a small check in the mail from them the other day. It was like 28 bucks or something. I forgot to promote those, but uh, I, I do believe in those products. I use them myself and uh, we do have that affiliate, but they don't pay us unless we sell something. So anyway, when I, I mention people, it's because I really enjoy what they do. When I have people on the show, it's because I really enjoy what they do. And sometimes we have people on the show that maybe don't seem like they Maybe on the surface, they seem like they vibe with the secret teachings, but maybe if you know this show a little more personally, you've listened a long time, you'd think, why are you talking to, um, 
you know, like, why are you talking to Suzanne Ross about ascension? Don't you think that's just a, a version of the rapture? And I do. I think it's a, a, a new age type cult. But when I talked to Suzanne about it, she explained it more as a form of spiritual enlightenment or advancement, etc. And that makes a lot more sense. And she was willing to come on the show and she, she actually knew who we were and to discuss that. And the same thing with Michael Jaco last Monday. Michael Jaco came on and there are certain things he says that I certainly don't agree with. And I asked him about his QAnon uh, views because he has supported that. And I think that that's been a psyop from the very beginning. In fact, I remember it was like 2016, uh, Clyde Lewis and I did a show where we said, we both had said, because that's why I had him on, because I thought this and I thought, well, Clyde thinks the same thing. Let's talk about it. QAnon was a psyop. So I asked uh, Michael Jaco about that. I'm going to have him back on at some point because I want to ask him about the secret space program stuff. And so if anybody wants to come on the show who will actually discuss these things and not be offended by the questions, uh, then that's what this show is all about. And it's a little difficult to get people to come on to talk about those things anymore because uh, they, it's easier to live inside of an echo chamber. Uh, even we had John Polk. John Polk's a good guy. We had John Polk on the show last week uh, after Karen Dahlman. And uh, I think I think John said it on air. I know he told me off air as well. He said, I appreciate you asking some hard questions and sort of pushing back, but being respectful. Uh, I appreciate that. So we appreciate John Polk. And, uh, you know, one of... Uh, my favorite people to listen to, I think he has so much information, is Leo Zagami. Uh, he is a, a wealth of information, and he has a ton of books. Uh, his most recent one that he sent me, his most recent one is um, Confessions of an Illuminati. He's working on Volume 8, uh, and I think he referenced uh, some of my work in Volume 7. I don't have a copy of that yet, but uh, Volume 666, The Age of Cyber Satan, is a it's a very good book. Invisible Master. You want to talk about aliens and secret societies? I mean, this is there's second to none, really. Uh, Invisible Master is a fantastic book, and it's a relatively short book, um, two hundred and something pages, but it's a it's a good book. So Leo doesn't pay me to say that, and uh, you know I don't get a cut from the publishers, but I say those kinds of things because I really believe them, and I, I think uh, you know. We, have a, we could always have a, a lot to talk about with any guest, and we don't always agree with everything, which is great, because that means we can, get, uh, we can get a better perspective on what other people think, how we think, how we define things. And that's what conversation and debating and, and, and uh, well, that's what late night radio, that's what it's all about. So Leo Zagami will be on the show tonight on The Secret Teachings for uh, hour number two, and then also coming up in this hour. So we've got about what, 15 minutes before break here. Before we get to Leo, though, I read something that I really thought, uh, and I, I mentioned it last week, but I read something that I really thought was interesting that I wanted to share with you because I've talked to Leo about this as well, and he feels the same way I do about this. This kind of new age, um, love and light, spiritual ascension type thing call it a community or whatever you choose to call it, there's a lot of danger and a lot of harm that can come out of it. Not because you're spiritual, not because you're doing Reiki, not because you're meditating with crystal bowls. I have nothing against any of that. And in fact, I, I like the sound of crystal bowls. It's, it's a beautiful sound. It's harmonious. But there's something dangerous 
and I can't speak for Leo on this, so remove him from everything I'm about about to say now. Uh, There's something dangerous about it when you have people that without any uh, regard for the duality of nature or the, the laws of nature, if you will, they have no regard for that. They believe in this concept of love and light and, 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 you know, no matter what other people do, no matter what we do, everything's just really great all the time. And I think that's a delusional way of thinking, but I'm willing to listen to people when they say, uh, ascension, what will explain to me what that means. And in the same way, the, the name or the word star seed, this is a big thing that's very popular and has been for some time. And, uh, last week, this was on. This was published in a couple of different um, online sources. The Conversation, which is a, a, an online journal, uh, it was also published. I have a copy of it here. I, I think I sent this to Clyde as well. Uh, there was a copy. Let me see where I found this. Uh, interesting engineering, you know, websites like that. So they they published an article on this last. This was on the thirteenth, thirteenth. So the beginning of last week. It says star seeds, psychologists on why some people think they are aliens living on Earth. Now, maybe, and I hope the reason you listen to this show is because when we read or when I read that headline, and this is what the show is all about, I want to break it down and I want to see exactly what this could mean. I want to give a little leeway to all the sides and all the perspectives. So a star seed. I guess, depending on how you define it, you're a seed of the stars, okay? or you're an extension of a branch of a leaf of on a branch of on the tree of uh, life uh, of God, an extension of God. You are the, the fire, uh, the soul and the spirit, etc. And a star seed, I guess, would or could be defined as you are just part of the universe, right? Or it's kind of a cliche in physics to say that you are made of stardust, right? So that's scientific. Uh, It's sort of spiritual. It's sort of theological. You could look at it in a lot of different ways. So that's what I'm willing to concede, uh, that star seed means a lot of things. Now, let's see what the psychologists have to say about this. There's a new group of people on Earth who believe they're aliens, Well, let's just stop right there and ask the question, what is alien? Well, something that's not from here. So if you're from another country and you don't have a passport and you don't come into the country legally, you're an illegal alien. It's not an offensive term. It's a you're not coming from somewhere else legally. You're coming from somewhere else illegally. You're not following the laws of the rules. So you're an illegal alien, right? Alien, obviously, is not just aliens that come from Mars or Venus or some other dimension or planet. So alien could mean a lot of things. Obviously to, let's say, if let's say there were people living on the moon, if we went to the moon or we went to Mars or Saturn or wherever people were living or on the moons of Saturn, we'd be aliens, right? Because you're just coming from somewhere else. And that might sound like it's an overstatement, but it's important to define these words, star seed, alien, what do these things mean? So the article goes on to say star people or star seeds are individuals who believe they have come to Earth from other dimensions to help heal the planet and guide humanity into the Golden Age, a period of great happiness, prosperity, and achievement. It might sound a little crazy, which, yes, it is a little 
more than a little crazy. It's quite crazy, but there are some elements of it that are not so crazy. But an internet search for the term, according to the conversation, brings up 4 million results, and there are scores of people posting videos on TikTok. I bet there are. Instagram and Facebook who believe they originate from another world. Indeed, content with the term hashtag starseed has over 1 billion views on TikTok. Again, I'm, I'm sure it does because, you know, you can, you can say anything. Uh, you can make up anything. And uh, people are going to click on it, whether they believe you or not. It doesn't really matter. You get the clout because it's online and you got a following. And this is the problem with, you know, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all these social media companies. That I, I really think that these things were made by aliens. It's just like uh, Rick and Morty. You want to develop my app? And someone said, you know, Silicon Valley is basically uh, Jerry. If you've watched Rick and Morty, all of Silicon Valley, they're Jerry. The aliens come to them and say, want to develop my app? And Rick says, don't develop that app. And all the, you know, a lot of big name people, even though they're, they participate like Elon Musk is like, don't do it. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't trust them. And they just build it anyway. They, they get they get jerried. That's what I'm going to start referring to Silicon Valley as. They're, they're just they are Jerry from Rick and Morty. Uh, and that's what they do. So here's what a star seed is, according to all these articles, interesting engineering, the conversation based on what's on social media. Uh, these are not earth souls. I'm not really sure what that even means. An earth soul, your soul wouldn't come from earth anyway. You come out of, of nature. Uh, as Alan Watts said, philosophically speaking, you come out of, you know, creation or the creator or the divine or God and, you know, just listening to myself say that, I don't know why so many Christians hate hate me. I don't really get that. But earth souls, it's unlike earth souls, star seeds uh, are not people who reincarnate on earth, like earth souls, they say are. Star seeds believe they have reawakened from another planet to be born here. And this is where they lose me uh, a lot. I don't really understand what that means. They say starseeds believe they are conduits between divine realms and the earth and that they can transport between galaxies via meditation. Starseeds also believe they can communicate in light language. Whew, that's, a, that's a hard one to learn, probably. Uh, and a form of communication that is said to bypass human limitations and be the language of the soul. Okay, so let's just, let's just break that little paragraph down. What is an earth soul? Someone who reincarnates on earth. If you believe in reincarnation, everybody's an earth soul. Starseed believes they reincarnate from another planet. Okay, maybe maybe they did reincarnate. I mean, if life is, I would assume life is probably teeming in the universe, then maybe you did reincarnate from another planet. Uh, I, I'm, I, that's just re to me, that's just reincarnation. And uh, the thing that prevents us from looking beyond is that we just see this is our planet, our space, this is what we experience. So if we're going to be reborn, we're going to be reborn from here and into here and out of here again. Starseeds take it to another level, though. They say, you know, I was reincarnated from whatever planet. Now, this is probably pretty uh, complicated uh, astronomical, astrophysical thing, an astrophysical thing because, or astrophysics thing, because if you are from another planet, can you tell us what planet you're from? No? Well, then how do you know you're a starseed? If you can tell us what planet you're from, Give us some specifications about it. Where is it? Can we find it on a star map? Is it in you know the computer programs we have? Can we point a telescope at it? No? Well, then you're probably, you're full of hot air. 
you're not a starseed. So that that's you know my first reaction to this. Then the next part is starseeds believe they're conduits between divine realms and earth. Well, that's pretty much what I don't want to say Christians, but that's pretty much what a lot of spiritual people believe, right? The body is a vessel, the body is a temple, and you are a conduit between the mundane and the divine. This is a belief that is shared by the Abrahamic religions. It's shared in Eastern religions, etc. You are a link between heaven and earth. This is the hermetic axiom, uh, the Iwakura of uh, Japan, the sacred rocks and mountains where the uh, the divine communicate with man or the divine, you know, connect. And uh, this is the same thing, you know, Mount Sinai and uh, uh, all the uh, the sacred mountains throughout the world. Uh, this is, you know, this is one of those things where we use words like conduit or divine realm, etc., and you can interpret this in any way that you choose, any way that you choose. You can define it in any way that you choose. Really, we're talking about the same thing. But when a star seed says, I'm a conduit between the divine and earth, I can transport between galaxies. Maybe you can remote view. But this is where they, they really lose me uh, a lot more because it's like the idea of reincarnation, but I'm actually reincarnated from somewhere else. I'm a divine conduit between heaven and earth, but I'm actually able to project myself across the universe. It's either we all can do that or nobody can do that. Okay, starseeds also believe they can communicate in light language. Light language is the language of the soul, right? So it's you've heard of the love languages. This is light language. And um, light language is <sighs> this is a this is a hard one you can apparently write it uh you can speak it and you can you can sign it, it says there's different ways to do it you can do it with your hands or put it on paper i mean it's basically it, it's a lot of like eastern type traditions right it's it's like a mixture of yogi, uh, yoga, like yogic practice and Qigong. And um, uh, there's countless things that humans do, just meditation in general, that could be considered light language. But it's one of those things, again, once more, it's like people take the concept of reincarnation and everything universally being connected and uh, intuition, and they create their own little cult around it. Oh, I'm a star seed. It makes you feel special, right? It's the spiritual, non-political version of virtue signaling. Okay, but you still are virtue signaling. I'm, I, yeah, I believe in reincarnation, but I'm coming from another planet here, folks. I'm coming from another galaxy. Okay, and I have light language skills. You don't. Okay, I can communicate in light language. So this is this is one. It's delusional. Two, well, some of it actually makes a lot of sense. And three. It's sort of like a virtue signal. So delusional, virtue signuous, uh, virtue, virtuous signaling or virtue signaling. And some of it makes sense, like reincarnation, sure. And being able to have intuition, sure. And everything being connected throughout the universe and string theory and mainline physics, sure. But 
what it is interpreted as by many is just this word you use. I'm a star seed because that sounds sounds nice, right? You're a star seed, a medium, a channeler. You talk to aliens. You talk to angels. You talk to all. I mean, in fact, probably one of the the most famous star seeds. He's losing a lot of his star seed power. Uh, is David Wilcock, and uh, David Wilcock uses his light powers to communicate with archangels. I don't know if you knew that, but he does. He uses them to communicate with archangels. And uh, here's a great example of that. You may or may not remember this, but David Wilcox said that he communicates with archangels and they give him superpowers. And I'll just take a listen to this. So this was a very, very strange one where I was in the tub because another part of the thing is a telekinesis bathtub. <laughs> so the telekinesis bath is one of the things that Archangel Michael has been making me do. I have to take a bath. I cannot take a shower. I am forbidden to take a regular shower. I am supposed to bathe, and I'm supposed to bathe every day, but only in a bathtub. And then another one of the really funny things is that you have to pee in the bathtub. He wants your DNA in the water. He wants your DNA in the water. He's forbidden from taking showers. He's forbidden from rinsing off you know, his hands in the sink, I guess, and maybe getting sprayed down with a hose or... He has to be in a bathtub with his own urine. I did not edit that. <laughs> I mean, the only edit is I cut off the first three hours and the last six hours, you know, for a David Wilcock video. But that's that's what I interpret when I hear Starseed. I, I interpret it as being from that delusional, wacky world of Wilcock, um, make-believe clown world. And... There's something to be said about reincarnation, again, and intuition and everything connected. That's all really the concept of God. But I, I would imagine that, you know, the, the idea of this is it comes from Brad Steiger, Steiger, uh, 1976's book, Gods of Aquarius. He introduced the notion that some people originate from other dimensions. We probably all originate from other dimensions, first, first of all. Second of all, whatever... Brad had written in this book, Gods of Aquarius, in 1976. You better believe, whether you've read that book or not, that a lot of people who believe they're starseeds probably have never read that book and probably take much of what they've heard secondhand or thirdhand or fourthhand from that book or reference in other books. It is grossly out of context. That would be my guess, objectively looking at the situation while admitting and acknowledging, yes, intuition, i.e. light language, yes, Everything's connected, i.e. conduit between the divine and the, and, the, and the mundane. And that the body is a vessel and a temple, that kind of an idea. And yes, reincarnation. Uh, but the idea that you come from somewhere else, another dimension, another planet, you have this ability to communicate in light language, only you can do this, you can do that, or, or by paying lip service to the idea that others can do it. It's a mixture of delusion, sincere people that are naive, uh, sincere people that might believe these things and can explain them in a way that's logical. And of course, it is a form of spiritual virtue signaling. That's my view on the star seeds. Leo Zagami is coming up next on the secret teachings. We won't be speaking about star seeds, but we will be speaking about his confessions of an Illuminati, the cyber Satan or cyber antichrist and a lot more right here on The Secret Teachings. Please grab a copy of one of my books. Please resubscribe at thesecretteachings.info or subscribe at aftermath.media. And stay with us through this short break. We'll be right back 
with our good friend, Leo Zagami, right here on The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. From parahistory and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash the secret teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium options. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Hello folks, this is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. I hope you find it enlightening. are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Tonight, Leo Zagami is joining us for the remainder of the broadcast. He's the author of more than half a dozen books, Confessions of an Illuminati, a multi-part series, Pope Francis, The Last Pope, Invisible Master, which is personally one of my favorites, The Puppeteer's Hidden Power, really fantastic book. All of his work is great. You probably know Leo, and of course, he's been on the show before. Leo is a good friend of mine. And uh, we'll actually be getting to spend some time together, probably out at that uh, conference at Contact in the Desert coming up in a few months. Leo, welcome back to The Secret Teachings, my friend. Uh, how are you enjoying what uh, is left of America? Well, uh, it's always better in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so, good to hear. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, still not as bad as Europe. So I, I'm kind of still enjoying the, the possibility of doing my broadcast without being harassed. And uh, in fact, uh, I had a particular success, especially with my Italian audience, uh, because uh, I was finally able to say the things I wasn't able to say when I was in Italy without having a lot of problems, because as you know, I had to flee that country in the end. So 
that's been a positive thing, uh, though. I mean, when it comes down to the censorship in this country, though, I've been wiped out several times, 17 times. Uh, they closed my channel on YouTube. So in the end, it's like uh, there is a lot of censorship here, but uh, there is at least uh, the possibility of uh, uh, writing and saying uh, uh, more or less what you want without having... Uh, somebody breaking down your door. I don't know for how long, but uh, we are still fighting for both the first and the second amendment, as you know. So yes, sir. And I think it's an ongoing struggle. I think you exemplify what an American is because you're not from here. You come here, you work hard, you put yourself into a position where you have to really, you know, you have to learn a lot and you have to, you know, you took, I think you've taken your tests to become a citizen. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I've uh, got the, my green card, and at the end of this year, I will have uh, the, the final test for becoming a citizen and, and of course, uh, be, becoming uh, an American uh, and finally being able to renounce to my previous citizenship because that's one of my main objectives. So I no longer have anything to do with the, Euro, the European Union or with Italy. Uh, as uh, an Italian citizen is always uh, liable to, I mean, is always subject to the Italian laws, even when he's abroad, if he still holds an Italian passport. So those laws are so restrictive when it comes to the freedom of speech and expression, uh, which, uh, and so I'm really looking forward to be able to finally renounce to that uh, citizenship and no longer be um, liable with, for anything because at that point I'm no longer a citizen of Italy and, and, and of Europe which is becoming increasingly a Norwegian super state with a bunch of uh, idiotic rules uh, of course uh, you, you must uh, keep in mind that I am living in California so I've seen uh, here some similarities. That's the super can, state of the United States. Yes <laughs> but you, you cannot compare still what's going on in Europe with, uh, with, with what's going on here because uh, even during the pandemic, uh, the restrictions were very modest here uh, compared to what was going on uh, instead in Italy. Or so, Australia or China or anywhere else for that matter. Well, yes, I must say that one of the most restrictive ones was Italy because that was a country where you actually, to, you actually were forced to write where you were going when you went out of your home uh, and, and you were restricted uh, so much in your personal life which I find completely insane and, and especially for a country that then demonstrated that uh, all these restrictions didn't really work out uh, for the health of the general population so apart, apart from, uh, from from that uh, I, I must say that America like uh, you anticipated uh, is, is coming uh, to uh, an age of reckoning in which they will have to make some decisions so we don't know how long this union will stand as a union in the coming years but definitely with uh, friends of mine especially friends who are connected to the late Jordan Maxwell we have uh, worked a lot on on, 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 on uh, several projects that are to do with the, the establishment of micro communities especially uh, 
when you have uh, the possibility of uh, uh, a future nuclear Armageddon or definitely a societal collapse of sorts, which is becoming uh, much more possible as uh, America weakens its position as a superpower. And uh, uh, my latest book, uh, which I hope I will be able to give you when I see you in uh, in June, is volume that. eight of my confessions, and it's a book dedicated to how they really molded and molded us uh, through uh, music and uh, the entertainment industry uh, in the last hundred uh, years uh, so we could be complacent with all this uh, we could uh, basically accept the ideology of the antichrist and so i did an excursus uh, in a journey that starts right from uh, the very first film that was shot in Hollywood by D.W. Griffith uh, in uh, between 1909 and 1910. He arrived here uh, in, in what was a little more, uh, you know, it was just a dirt road. Then later on became Hollywood Boulevard. And from that moment onwards, uh, the magic of cinema was uh, unleashed uh, on the world. Uh, but of course, it was also and it is still a propaganda tool, but when you <laughs> see the latest Oscars, you understand where this propaganda is heading for, no? It's uh, also about the uh, growing presence of China, the presence of a woke community that is pushing these uh, idiotic values that uh, I see you have also uh, depicted very well in your uh, Liberty Shrugged book, uh, which uh, is really a compendium of liberty <laughs> over tyranny. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, I, I, in, in this almost 700 pages book uh, that I've published with great success in two languages for the first time, it's been really hard to, to do you know, both books. Uh, and, and publish them more or less at the same time in two different languages with a complete different set of rules uh, when it comes down to the Italian or the English language. So there was a lot of work there, and uh, but it was a big success. In Italy, it was a very big success. I got something like over 100 five-star reviews on on Amazon, and then uh, also in the English language is uh, still a great success because it's a unique book uh, in the way that it's not the typical book that talks about the Illuminati in Hollywood, you know, like uh, without really giving you names, dates, and places. This is uh, about the lodges that made Hollywood about uh, the secret societies or societies with secrets like Freemasonry that made Hollywood, the military industrial complex establishment, as well as the, the, the Rockefeller Foundation and other important families and uh, people from the banking cartel that have also been involved in, like I said earlier, just crafting and putting together a reality which Americans have always believed in. And uh, this reality then at one point kind of like had a turning point. Uh, and uh, I'm sure you will agree that between the 50s and the 70s, something changed in, in Hollywood. We went from the traditional values into the very non-traditional values that then became the norm and later on ruined forever what was the magic of, of, of cinema, I think. 
You know what? And, and cinema really is magic. I mean, we call it Hollywood, which yeah. is the wood of the magician's wand. We call it broadcasting, like casting a spell or yeah, a well, curse. Yeah, absolutely. Here we go back to the semantics of it. And uh, I know that our uh, late friend Jordan Maxwell was uh, very much into it. And he was also very much involved in, in, in Hollywood and in uh, divulging, I mean, divulging his knowledge. In fact, I actually published a photo of his, uh, uh, um, of, of Jordan's uh, um, memorial uh, day, which was holding a Masonic Lodge uh, in Culver here in uh, Southern California, in, in Los Angeles, uh, in Los Angeles area. And it was, uh, of course, uh, because uh, Jordan had been close to Freemasonry, though he never really went uh, uh, through all the degrees. He actually was initiated only in the Enter Apprentice, uh, but he was given a lot of uh, high degrees just because they knew about uh, his knowledge, and so they bestowed upon him. I remember seeing in his uh, uh, home a lot of uh, uh, charters uh, uh, given by various Masonic uh, rites around the world. And, and, and I think that uh, it was very important for him to divulge his knowledge to these people. But uh, in the end, uh, Hollywood itself was a product of occult uh, workings, especially from that uh, heretical uh, uh, movement uh, within the Jewish world, which is the Sabbatean Frankists. Uh, and it, was, it functioned a bit like the Sabbatean, and still functions like the Sabbatean Frankist playground. Uh, so this is one of the thing, uh, things I explain in volume eight. Uh, and uh, continuing a little bit also the work that I did in the previous, vo previous volumes, including uh, in volume seven, where I cite uh, some of your work, which I find always excellent. Uh, and uh, and also where I depict how uh, Klaus Schwab's uh, occult roots, uh, where they really come from, uh, instead of simply the uh, Davos Club as a, a recent establishment. There is actually a long story to it uh, in volume seven, which, but in volume eight, I also explain how the World Economic Forum has actively participated in manipulating Hollywood, left, right, and center in the last few years, especially when it comes down to, um, to the decisions that are made by the various CEOs, what kind of actors we should have, uh, the, the, the so-called equity, the so-called inclusion, the so-called uh, basically making a mockery of what uh, the art of cinema used to be in favor of uh, instead, uh, oh, we need to transform this character into a, a black man rather than a white man or uh, this superhero in a Chinese rather than a white, uh, you know, it's, it's like they are forcing upon us uh, a reality which is not really fully embraced still by the majority of the population. It's still a minority that uh, uh, is homosexual or is of other races, but uh, it's not because I'm a racist here that I'm making this comment. It's simply because these choices have been forced upon us and it's becoming increasingly ridiculous. Uh, the this way is... And, and this is exactly what happened in the 20s in Weimar, Germany. They pushed, in fact, the word transvestite comes from Berlin in 1924, the first sexual surgeries. Uh, they had drag queen type story times in the 20s. Well, if they you had, think about it, though, it's the Frankfurt School that dominates. So it's obvious from Germany. Yes. <laughs> There's an influence that's very strong from Germany. That is another topic which I discuss in my book. I mean, the Frankfurt School exported uh, this uh, 
demented ideology. And and when it comes to the to Germany, when it comes to the Nazis, uh, let's not forget uh, it's socialism. Uh, these people uh, used to have uh, on their uh, they used to print until 1934 a coin for Labor Day with the image of Karl Marx. So it's and, and actually the symbols of communism on it. So, I mean, it was simply that the New World Order and, of course, the people behind it in certain secret societies, we can commonly refer to as the Illuminati, decided, like Prescott Bush, that it was the time to finance an opposition to to the communist establishment in uh, Russia. Otherwise, uh, Germany would have become another Soviet Republic. That's why there was uh, that uh, a brief experience of the Bavaria, I think, a socialist Soviet Republic, uh, just in 1919, 19, between 1918 and 1919, which ended up very quickly. But it also triggered the reaction at the time of the Tulegeschstadt, who was the provincial lodge of the German Orden, and uh, at that point, they, uh, from there, there was first the foundation of the DAP, the Workers' Party, and, later, and the, the year after, with Adolf Hitler, the transformation in the National Socialist Party. So the uh, reaction, uh, there is always a reaction to something, no? and the reaction was, of course, to this um, expansion of communist ideals and in uh, Germany we find uh, in that time also the uh, the, the, the famous or infamous Spartacus League yes, Spartacus yes. from Spartacus but not really as the gladiator but more as the uh, initiatic name of Adam Weishaupt because we have to remember like I remind people in, in volume 7 but also in my previous books uh, the, the Illuminati are the basis really of uh, a laboratory, almost like the Wuhan lab for the coronavirus. Uh, instead, uh, we can say that uh, it's the lab where communism was elaborated and then uh, rich people like Karl Marx through the League of the Just and uh, who formulated the, his manifesto and at the same time infiltrated Freemasonry, especially in France, which then uh, in the 1880s led to that experimentation, uh, the Paris Commune, which was very, very much uh, of influence, I guess, for people like Karl Marx, the Paris Commune experiment. And from that moment onwards, then, the, 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 that, that Masonic, actually, that experiment uh, was in the 1870s, uh, sorry, uh, I forgot, 1880s, but it was 1870s because that was the moment in which the 1870s of great transformation within also uh, Freemasonry in France. That was the moment in which they detached from regular Freemasonry. They let the artists in their lodges, they broke from the United Grand Lodge of England, the Grand Orient of France, and there was, of course, also the uh, as well the Grand Lodge de France that became its close ally in, in, in then initiating a number of Russian people that then led later on the Grand Orient of the Russian people uh, which became a tool in the hands of uh, Vladimir Lenin for the for, for instigating and creating the basis for the revolution, the, the Bolshevik revolution of course took off and once it took off then at times, Freemasonry becomes a, a victim if it's not then kept under control like they did, for example, in Cuba, um, where still today we have uh, a Masonic obedience 
closely controlled, of course, by the communist establishment of Cuba. Leo, why do you think communism, Marxism and all these things are so desirable for people in general, but particularly for young people? Is it just brainwashing in school or is it something more than that? Because it just sounds good. Some of these ideas. Well, I mean, first of all, we should think why it's desirable for the elite to push something like that, <laughs> because then you will not understand how the, the young people are, uh, are eager. The young people are simply brainwashed. That, that is, uh, of course, uh, uh, very much the result uh, of uh, uh, the academy, of, of the university of the academic institution being uh, under the control of the leftists, especially... Re-education centers, really. Well, re-education centers, um, we notice uh, already in the 1960s, in the end of the 1960s in France, where, you know, they had the 1968 uh, uh, leftist revolution of all the students, how there was really a already back then, a very heavy influence, culturally speaking, with uh, uh, with Maoism, with the, the Red Book of Mao Zedong, with communists from China. I mean, already back then, uh, there was this, um, this influence that... Uh, the Mao's little Red Book had. And, and, and it also, it was the beginning of all those... Um, of that transformation, which I talk very much about in volume eight, which led to also the transformation of Hollywood, because this transformation was uh, uh, was orchestrated using a tool, an alchemical tool, we could say, uh, a elixir of some of source. It's not the elixir beta, but it is the LSD. LSD became the nourishment for this uh, alchemical transformation of the masses that had to be spread, especially through the academic world, so they will eventually comply to what they were doing. So they always say that the MK Ultra program was not successful when it came down to their experimentation of LSD, but that's not true. It was actually, sadly, very much successful because uh, we started with people like Cary Grant, but we end up then with the woke mob of today, that you have in, in Hollywood, which basically uh, it's 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 uh, it's um, completely taking over the show. So if you are not complying with them, you don't have a part in a movie in a, in anything. Especially during the pandemic, then Newsom came in with a series of regulations that will. Uh, uh, then be implemented uh, disregarding, of course, the art uh, of, of cinema. They force the people into taking the vaccine and all that. Right, right. Which, and there's, there's also an inc- a lot of actors and actresses in Hollywood have come out and have said, you have people like Chris Pratt, people like Rain Wilson from The Office, they've said that there is an incredible anti-Christian, anti-God presence in Hollywood. It's not just a yeah. metaphor. They really hate the idea of God. They hate the idea of God, and, and, and like I said, the, the, their only God is science, really, because if you think about it, when you are putting the vaccine in front of art, you know, it's a little bit like when you put the vaccine in front of, of a sport achievement, what's happening with the, the famous uh, uh, tennis player, uh, the Djokovic, I think it's, 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 you spell it Djokovic, you know, uh, the, the guy who is not capable of coming here still because to enter this country, 
you still need the vaccine until, uh, I mean, even with the Republicans in Congress and all that, still we are in front of, uh, of a situation which is unprecedented. People that want to enter the United States, even for leisure, they have to take on board the fact that they have to vaccinate themselves. Unless you do it illegally, you can come in across the southern border. Well, of course, of <laughs> course, if you do it illegally, then it's no problem. But this it's really, the, 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 it's, it's incredible because you are putting this God of reason between brackets, reason. It's, mm-hmm. it's, most of the choices they make are unreasonable, really. But since the establishment of the Illuminati, we see the coming of the so-called age of reason, which in turn uh, later on becomes the age of, un- of being unreasonable. And, and, and now we have uh, Hollywood, uh, during the pandemic, they were prohibiting the people uh, to participate to the filming of anything without being vaccinated. And then later on, um, Newsom had the courage to say, oh, why are you going filming your movies in other states? So you have to come again. He did this open letter that I published in my book where he invited everybody to, to come back to California because it's the best place to shoot movies. Well, no, it's not the best place because the, the regulations here are, are, are insane, Uh, if you think about it, and they're made simply for brainwashed artists. And brainwashed artists, for me, are not really artists. They are simply slaves, tools, servants of the elite in any shape or form. And I'm not only talking about cinema, but it can be also music. We see it with... uh, you know, with people like Lady Gaga or or, or Rihanna. Uh, These are uh, simply tools of the establishment these days, and they don't have anything artistic to offer. I don't see anything truly artistic coming out uh, at the moment out of the music or the cinema business. Yeah, Leo, it's a tremendous amount of regurgitation of the same thing over and over, whether it's movies or music, music videos, etc. And I wonder how these big movie houses, you know, how they have all this money to keep throwing at flops. They throw hundreds of millions of dollars at things that nobody wants to see. And then you get something like Top, well, we go, Top Gun well, and it just we makes billions. To, yeah, we go back to what we said earlier with the Klaus Schwab and uh, having, you know, guesting every year in Davos, all the CEOs of Hollywood and deciding that this is the course to take and we will give you the money if you yes. think to make a movie about this or that even if nobody goes I mean when you see in my book I published the top 10 films of the World Economic Forum <laughs> I mean <laughs> you need to, uh, to check out this chart it's just a chart of, of films that apart from I guess for entertainment value the day after tomorrow can be regarded as you know entertaining the other the other films or documentaries that they are pushing are just because uh, it's also it's all subsidized, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 it's, it's not uh, entertainment. It's propaganda, pure mm-hmm. and simple. And on top of that, there is a relaunch of psychedelics in Hollywood, which is now uh, using as a poster boy Prince Harry, which just came out saying psychedelics are a, bit, you know, are a pillar of his life or something like that. And, and this, because psychedelics have uh, uh, been used to inspire these people to then eventually open their uh, 
it's like they're opening uh, a link to the unknown, to entities that will uh, feed upon the despair of their fame. Uh, Agreed, yes. Yes, they, they are contacting something they shouldn't, uh, they don't uh, understand the dangers of maybe taking ayahuasca or taking peyote or taking LSD. These are things that you have to take, uh, and, and I mean, of course, uh, from my own personal experience, uh, my father who experimented at the Sorbonne in Paris uh, in, in one of the experimentation centers that was also connected to uh, the MK Ultra uh, experimentations, uh, it, it was very much something that you had to do with a lot of background if you didn't want to get lost. Yes, fact, of course. I remember then my father was kind of became an ex- kind of like an expert on recovering uh, LS- people from rich families who simply took an LSD trip and never came back. Well, this is happening now uh, in mainstream news. There's a famous quarterback uh, from the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and he said he took ayahuasca and maybe he didn't do it correctly, but he's he literally says he's being haunted by these dark things that follow him even to the stadium where he practices or goes to games. Uh, and it's not, yeah, you're right. There needs to be a professional way of handling those types of things. It's not something that should be a game. It's not something to be played with. It's certainly not something to do recreationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, that's what a lot of people think. Leo Zagami is our guest this evening, a good friend of mine. Leo, I'm so glad you're on the show. You've got a lot of books real quick, about 30 seconds. Let people know where they can get those books. Well, you can find the links to all my books, of course, on leozagami.com, where I also publish all my latest articles, or on Amazon, of course. And the Leo Zagami Show, you do that once a week in English on YouTube, correct? Yes, yes. And uh, we are uh, continuing even after the censorship uh, to do a once a week uh, uh, study. Lately, uh, the last uh, few weeks have been focusing on the occult practicing and practices and history behind what we call uh, generally called the Illuminati. And it's been very successful because uh, we have uh, dealt, we have gone very much in depth in certain topics. And we can talk about. Uh, a- talk a little bit about that in the second hour tonight. Leo Zagami is our guest. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss it. From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, The Secret Teachings radio show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. 
This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before President Business is going to use the crackle to end the world? President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Welcome to the darkness. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call up to the fall of back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable thank you so much for joining us this morning this afternoon tonight whenever and wherever you are listening around the world whether that's ground zero dot radio monday through friday right after clyde lewis and ground zero or if you're listening in the free archive when you listen there you do support us because when you hear those annoying advertisements most of them are pretty annoying it actually uh, pays us, and it doesn't cost you anything. So when you download the show or listen for free, you support us financially as well. Of course, if you're a subscriber to the show, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting what I do. And you can renew your subscription anytime on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or now that we're teaming up with Aftermath Media, our good friend Mike over on Aftermath, and Rob, of course, they're working on redoing our website and putting our archive on Aftermath, which you can already get access to. So you'll get Clyde Lewis's show and you'll get my show in the premium package. And I don't think you could really get anything uh, better for your dollar if you're subscribing to uh, to some radio shows. So that's Aftermath.media and thesecretteachings.info. When you do that, when you subscribe, when you buy one of my books, etc., you support us, you keep us on air, and you allow us to do what we do five nights a week. I guess this evening is Leo Zagami, a good friend of mine. I love speaking with Leo, and I mean that so sincerely. His work is incredible. He's a really great and prolific writer. And Leo, I wanted to ask you about, as you briefly touched on the Oscars, I did not watch them, but I know from watching previous Oscars, watching the Grammys, etc., that there is this 
obsession with, I think, inverting the idea of life or living, L-I-V-E, which is E-V-I-L backwards. There's this obsession with inversion, uh, not just in Hollywood, but if you look at the medical industry, chopping the body to pieces. Uh, the Amer- American Pediatric Association now says if you're overweight, if your child is overweight, uh, go get them surgery, start cutting them up. You know, if your kid is confused or upset or emotional, they must be trans promoting abortion. I mean, th- these all it's not a metaphor. These all seem really, really satanic in nature, inverting life, uh, changing things that are organic, making them synthetic, trying to replace the organic with the synthetic. And on top of all of that, targeting the most vulnerable and the greatest gift from God, if you will, in that of children. There is an extremely dark call it satanic, if you choose, influence, uh, not just in Hollywood, but all over the place. Is there not? And it's becoming much more obvious. Very much so. In fact, uh, the film that uh, kind of took most of the Oscars was uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which apart from promoting, of course, uh, uh, the, the idea of a Chinese successful family in, uh, in the U.S., uh, we also see uh, the promotion of a topic like the multiverse on top of the fact that, of course, this family had to have a, a, a girl, a daughter who is gay. And that, of course, it's all then uh, becomes part of the woke ideology. You now the fact that then they have to push for the acceptance of everything. I mean, I don't have anything against uh, homosexual people, but they make it uh, like... Uh, the centerpiece of their work like glorified all these things in fact uh, the film directors that are two that are pretty much homosexual i think both of them a chinese and an american guy and the american guy then went on and said oh i thank my mother because she let me dress up as a girl when i was a kid you know who cares i mean you are taking the oscar for a movie why do we have to listen about your fixation with dressing up as a girl i mean it's just like it's part of the propaganda machine uh, that we talked about. So actually I wrote an article about this uh, uh, because uh, apart from the fact that promoting China and Chinese actors uh, above all in this year's Oscars, when we are about to go to war with China, it doesn't make any sense doesn't make literally any sense. Uh, so either the, the, the whole confrontation with China is bogus, and we already know that China is taking over the world, or otherwise, this it's like uh, it doesn't make any sense because we know, and I explained this in, in volume eight, that we have since the 1930s an office, uh, the entertainment liaison office, ELO, uh, in, in Hollywood, which is connected directly with the Pentagon for all the films that, of course. Yeah, we learned, Leo, we actually learned that in film school. When I went to film school, we actually had a class where they taught us that. That's, yeah. that's well known. And, but, but, but the crazy thing is, how do you promote uh, uh, up until uh, not so long ago Americanism, the American way of life above everything? And then suddenly you watch the Oscars this year and it was something that, I don't know, it was like Bollywood the films, uh, uh, Chinese actors, uh, Indian actors, whatever, everything that is not American. Everything that is not American because uh, they want to destroy the uh, the American way of life and they want to simply 
destroy America as the leading country in the world for so many years. America is no longer, unfortunately, uh, at the head of the New World Order. We are uh, going uh, uh, towards the Sino-Russian New World Order. That is something which I discussed in detail in, instead in Volume 7 of my Confessions and already a month before the war erupted, uh, the book came out and I already depicted the, what will happen with the war in Ukraine, what will happen with the future invasion of Taiwan, which uh, is uh, for some people imminent or at least in the next uh, couple of years. And this makes us understand that uh, as, uh, as we are talking now, we are in a very fragile situation as a nation because we rely very much on China for all our chains of distribution and everything of supplies. And, 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 and we have, uh, unfortunately, basically uh, America has participated to its own demise thanks to people that were sitting in a place in the north of California like Nixon and others in the Bohemian Grove every summer uh, for the Bohemian Club which is still a very successful club if you see Uh, the, the latest sp uh, speak, uh, the speech to, to the union made by uh, Joe Biden, uh, there was uh, the, the, the husband of Nancy Pelosi, who is a notorious member of the Bohemian Club, who actually was very much upset during the pandemic because the, the Bohemian Grove was shut down, and next to Bono from U2, which is the typical uh, mercenary uh, of the art world, Uh, who, of course, is, 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 is part of, of, of the establishment uh, and uh, whose art uh, I have uh, a lot uh, of uh, points to... I mean, maybe his art uh, at times when he was very young could have been good. Uh, his music uh, was maybe uh, considered good, but I think that it was always overly political. There was always a political hand behind He's him. He's good friends fact, with the Obamas, I know. And good friends with Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we are talking about the worst of the worst scam on earth. Uh, this, this is what, uh, unfortunately, the art world these days is. In. And, and that's one of the reasons why I left the art world myself. Because I was, as you know, a record producer and a DJ. But I wasn't just any kind of record producer and a DJ. I was... Um, a guy who published over 40 singles, five albums... I played even at the Bolshoi Theater, uh, the first DJ in history, with Billy Cobham playing uh, the, the, the uh, for me, the drums. Uh, the, it was incredible. I mean, I did a lot of uh, good things in, in the art world until I understood, though, that if I wanted to move further, I had to be complacent and I had to participate in their own thing. And when I started also to go against my formal allies in uh, groups like the Ordo Templi Orientis sects that are very much influential in the music as well as in the rest of the art world because uh, Alistair Crowley has been immensely influential and he took over the OTO and made it a vessel for his own propaganda. Uh, and we can say that the age of Horus of Alistair Crowley is basically the new world order because that's what it is. And... Uh, a lot of uh, the music world uh, has been connected to him, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Jimmy Page, but also more, more recently, people like Jay-Z or others have uh, 
showed their appreciation over and over for Alistair Crowley. And then even in the cinema world, people like James Franco, for example, who have a bunch of skeletons in the closet still, but who keep on being uh, present in, in even in, in, in a cinema world, which today it's, it's, it's becoming, uh, for me, difficult to appreciate uh, and to watch even films. When I see these actors being uh, always confrontational, instead of uh, shutting up, uh, they open their mouth and they talk rubbish most of the oh, time. They look t- down at, uh, at us like we are like, you know, if you are a conservative, you are at least have a different idea from their own. They watch you like you are some kind of animal. They're just they're just talking points. In fact, I, I remember back in uh, I forget what year it came out. I watched that movie, The Martian with Matt Damon. And in that movie, it was all about how America couldn't get uh, a spaceship to Mars to save him. So that the chi- so that they had to go to China and the Chinese helped to save an American because Americans are too stupid. <laughs> <Okay>. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And that is was like that already should give you the idea of what they're trying to push here. Because if you go in Hollywood and see all the movies they're produ- producing now, a lot of them come from uh, production companies, movie studios that have been bought uh, with, uh, you know, filled with Chinese money. And of course, every time you see one of these movies, they always have some kind of Chinese character, even in the most unusual setups that has to play some kind of leading role or heroic gesture during the movie. Uh, it's, it's, it's propaganda. And, and, and the irony there too, Leo, is we're talking about a country like China where, you know, it's not that it gets the Chinese people. The Chinese culture has been completely oppressed, but the, the Chinese people today there's such drones most of them unfortunately there's a lot of good journalists that have gotten out of the country but china has routinely uh, planes and trains and bridges and buildings that well, collapse and fall out of the sky listen Diana, the problem here is that people understand that there is a lot of dual citizens here in america oh yeah working in our government too no no that but to be dual citizens you have to pay your taxes in china uh, on the contrary of any other, you know, like I'm Italian, but the moment you leave the Italian territory, even by Italian law, you don't pay taxes to Italy because you don't have anything to do with Italy because you don't live in Italy or Europe. Okay. When it comes to China, if you want to keep your Chinese passport and most Chinese want to keep the Chinese nationality, so they're able to go back and forth and you have to pay taxes in China every single year. And this is something that they don't tell you. Most dual citizens here, even the the Chinese who works, uh, I don't know, at the cashier in Walmart, will have to pay their taxes in China. Just to maintain the passport. Just to maintain the passport. And nobody says anything about this. With a potential disaster, the moment in which we go into war with China, because then these people become potential enemies. Now, they will always throw onto us, of course, the very bad experience that the Japanese Americans had, because that was very unjust, what yes, happened to yes. Japanese Americans. And I completely agree with that. It was completely unjust. But Japanese Americans were more Americans than Japanese. These are people who keep the nationality and keep their loyalty to communist China. And so it's a danger for a national security, I think, that people don't want to, you know, but everybody's bought out here. And plus the biggest lodge of a Chinese Freemason in the world is in San Francisco. 
I think it's also ironic because in that movie, The Martian, you know, China has to save us when in reality, China has planes that fall out of the sky and buildings that collapse. And now we're starting to see that in the United States more and more with the I mean, we have train crashes all the time, but trains are derailing buildings. It seems like are being sabotage industry, uh, power companies, banks at that Silicon Valley bank. I, most of its investments were Chinese, from what I understand. Yeah, it's the new Chinese world order. That's what I said in volume seven of my confession. It's like, it's a Sino-Russian alliance, but of course it's led by China more than by Russia. Now China is kind of like uh, uh, coming into the picture in the last uh, week or so with the possibility, it's been a couple of weeks already, of course they made their offer of breaking some kind of peace deal with Russia. Now it seems like Xi Jinping is gonna go to, to, to meet with uh, with Putin and uh, there is uh, this uh, growing expectation that China it's like uh, it's like the country that's gonna break uh, this piston in some way or, or another but what America does understand is that uh, China is completely allied with Russia since since the times of the Soviet Union really though of course at that times they were kind of competing on two different uh, interpretations of communism that doesn't happen anymore so they don't have to uphold their communist way rather than the Russian way and uh, I think that uh, this is instead uh, something that they're going to do to finally eliminate any possibility that America is uh, taken seriously as the leading country of this world order. And uh, we're going to see probably at one point or another uh, them invading uh, Taiwan, but uh, with what consequences for us? I mean, we are already seeing one one year after the beginning of this uh, uh, war, this military operation, however you want to call it, in Ukraine, though the war started, of course, in 2014, um, we are seeing one year after the formalization of it, and of course the, the beginning of this military operation from Russia, the bankruptcy of our Western banking system is kind of starting to crack already. If it wasn't for uh, the Swiss authorities bailing out uh, Credit Suisse uh, uh, with the 54 um, billions, uh, there will be no banking system because Credit Suisse is connected to all our banking system more than than what is uh, the, the, the Silicon Valley Bank. We're talking about Credit Suisse, it's a, it's a really serious matter. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, of course saying we are the ones who are paying for paying for the, the, the giving all our money every day, most of our money goes uh, into the hands of the military industrial complex for a war that we haven't, uh, that we are not really interested in. But they push you to, you know, to to, to, to view the Ukrainians, oh, the poor Ukrainians, and then they, they sing for us at Christmas and everybody puts an Ukrainian flag next to their... I wanted to ask you that. Do you see a lot of that in, in California? Unfortunately, yeah. we see next to the I taken my COVID shot kind of uh, uh, sticker, you see then the Ukrainian flag one. I mean, it's part <laughs> yeah. of the same, yeah. it's kind of like comes in a package, you know. It's like and a so, uniform or a costume, yeah. yeah, it all comes together. It all comes in a package and, and, it, and so uh, it, it, it's, it's like you have uh, uh, countries in reality like China or Russia who don't really have... Uh, a good relationship with the LGBTQ community, 
but because they favor virility over the transformation of a military in a joke, like happened unfortunately here. Uh, but then we have also this uh, this uh, this constant uh, push towards the war, towards uh, uh, the confrontation, no peace, real peace. Uh, so when I uh, see Lindsey Graham calling for uh, this, uh, you know, after the latest uh, drone uh, that was uh, put down by Russia, apparently, you know, that to actually fight and and, and actually uh, go in a direct confrontation with Russia, which is completely suicidal. To, to, yeah, it's so, totally crazy, totally it's, psychotic. So it's it's like they want to keep us. Uh, on uh, on on uh, in a situation in which we are of course gradually accepting uh, all the limitations to our own freedom first with the pandemic later on also they are uh, continuing our, the battle or on the economy on on our own pockets because uh, everything has always increased in price and uh, this is because the Great Reset needs to be implemented. In the end, they want us bankrupt. In the end, they want us happy without owning nothing. Right. That's right. Exactly. So th- this goes back to your rhetorical question earlier. I asked you, why is communism and Marxism so desirable for the youth? You said, well, why is it so desirable for the elite? Because you'll own nothing. You have no wealth, no abundance, no independence. These are because very the Americano. owns nothing. But they, yes. the, the elite, the 1%, they own everything. They, and that's how it's always been in communist societies the vertical integration and the average person has absolutely nothing. It's total, complete control. I mean, let's see, for example, the Rothschild family. They have had an enormous success in China. They have an enormous success in China. They have people that... uh, that went to China and, 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 and were regarded as gurus almost. Uh, remember there was uh, this uh, speech that was given by the late uh, Evelyn uh, de Rothschild, who just uh, died last year. Uh, he went on a Beijing campus uh, and uh, in a dialogue on inclusive capitalism, and uh, he kind of went there, of course, with his wife, who is the head of the Council for Inclusive Capitalism of the Vatican, by the way, Lynn Forrester, the Rothschild, and also very active in the Democratic Party. And they were uh, treated like uh, like stars. Uh, this was, uh, I think, April 2013. Uh, they were held uh, like stars because in the eyes uh, of the Chinese, uh, the Rothschilds and the way they have constructed their financial empire is an inspiration. And so they are treated with much respect. And... Uh, they uh, have actually big interest in the Bank of China, both the Rothschild as well as the Rockefeller family. Rockefeller family, by the way, has interest uh, uh, still to this day, big interest also in China as well as Russia. You know, Leo, the the, the whole idea that we're facing all of these threats, uh, cyber attacks, etc., but simultaneously we're told the solution to all the cyber attacks and all these things is, well, let's digitally integrate everything. So everything will be digital. Your money's digital. Medical information's digital. Everything's so digital. But if we're scared of cyber attacks, why do we want to put everything online so that some big corporations and banks have access and control over it? That doesn't make any sense logically. That makes sense for them because in the end, they right. will always be the ones who who control the system above all, you know. 
Uh, they, the whole system was created by them. By uh, I mean, the military-industrial complex created the basis for the internet. So, At DARPA, right? Uh, it's yeah. So it kind of like leaves us. Uh, uh, we have been given tools, like just like we are given uh, for years. We have been given these social networks. I make an example, but there is others, of course, Facebook above all the others, but uh, Facebook has been the place uh, where people have normalized this attitude, which is basically to give out yourself, your information data, which is uh, considered today the new oil for free about ourselves. We talk with people using Facebook Messenger, we uh, post uh, what we think, uh, our political ideas, everything. So basically, we are we have given the possibility to these uh, uh, social networks to gather intelligence uh, on us, and we have done and, nothing to stop it. No, and they've they've made it fun and entertaining to give yeah. all of our information away. And and as our good mutual friend Jordan Maxwell would have probably agreed upon, the idea of your information is energy and that energy is currency like money. And that means that the people that are gathering all this data, all this energy, all this currency are really feeding off of us. They're very vampiric, whether that's literal or figurative. Uh, this is this is what it means to upload ourselves into a digital environment. And this is what it means to be vampired, to have the energy sucked out of us. Ultimately, remember that. Uh it all goes to feed the cyber Satan, what I defined in volume 6.66, cyber Satan, the artificial intelligence, yep. which is a topic. And then I uh, further uh, dealt with uh, volume 7. And, and, and it's uh, like a cyber Satan, the Ariman incarnation uh, that uh, uh, Seiner used to talk about. It's aiding and abating the future Antichrist, this system. So obviously... 100% we agree. Are, uh, Go ahead. Simply preparing, you know, preparing the way for a control of the 1%, which is not any longer a control like before, which was an analogic control, a control which didn't, uh, it wasn't uh, like a grid, a digital grid that surrounds us with satellites and everything. This is a digital prison, basically that uh, we have uh, transformed ourselves in and also and they want to control it. It also goes back to what you said about art too, because a lot of art nowadays, like with any part of history, when you look at Soviet realism, et cetera, dictated by the state. But when you say that art, just a lot of art is an art, whether that's movies, et cetera, uh, it's like it's missing its soul. And that's the difference between really good movies and movies that really suck, but are pushed by the establishment. It's missing its soul. This whole thing about the digital grid, uh, the, the cyber Satan, as you call it, it really is just about the soul being removed from things. Well, I mean, uh, you talk about that. I talked about Andy Warhol, lots in volume eight. Andy Warhol. Oh, yes. Who, who yes. after made that, uh, I think it was like a drawing uh, painting of, of Jimmy Carter, you know, who, who participated in promoting, of course, Jimmy Carter, who was one of the worst presidents before Joe Biden arrived and kind of now he has taken the place. No, number one place in worst president of, of, of all time. But uh, uh, the art of, what is the art of Andy Warhol, really? What kind of art is the art of Andy Warhol? Are you asking me or are you just rhetorical? Yeah, no, I'm, uh, yeah, no, I'm asking how you define it. I mean, it's... it's Trite? It, it's not really art. Yeah, it's, I, think it's, I think it's trite. If, if that, I mean, that might be a, 
an okay <laughs> word to use, trite, or, you know, it's, it, <laughs> I don't know, it's unimportant. It's like an artist, illustrator, that kind of like nicks, uh, like steals things, you know, he made an art form out of stealing images and then throwing some colors on them and making the Campbell soup, uh, I don't know, suddenly fashionable or uh, uh, an image uh, simply by, and but, but, I mean, he knew that uh, he had a certain audience in front of him, you know, and uh, he, he, he knew that that audience uh, was uh, appreciative of, of what he was doing. So it, it kind of like, there was a time in the Big Apple in, in New York in which there was a lot of uh, this kind of, between brackets, artists that in a way functioned as tool, tools of the intelligence services. Um, I, I'm just uh, like in my book, I talked about also the underground scene of New York between the 70s and 80s uh, when uh, they founded the Tauti Lodge of the OTO when uh, there were people like uh, William Barrows, for example, uh, who, who was, uh, of course, also a very close friend of my family. So I had some direct experiences with, uh, with him and uh, from my grandmother and my first visit in New York in the very early 80s. And so I also saw that basically they were kind of using the artist, the art uh, community of New York in the 70s and 80s to uh, establish uh, a uh, a new kind of way of manipulating the masses. Can we pick that up where we left off when we come back from break? Let's let's Absolutely. talk about that a little more. Uh, Leo Zagami is our guest this evening. I'm Ryan Gable. This is the Secret Teachings. You can find him by searching his name, Leo Zagami. You find his website, Leo Zagami Show on YouTube, and of course all of his books. More with Leo after this. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. The secretteachings.info is our website. And we'll be back. From parahistory and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. 
Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a secret teaching subscription you can still keep that subscription just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today I need it Leo Zagami is my guest this evening on The Secret Teachings I'm your host, Ryan Gable. If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Find us on social media, Twitter and Facebook, our only two social media accounts. And of course, our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. And that book that Leo mentioned earlier, Liberty Shrugged, my new book is available on the website and only on the website. You can get a copy digitally or physically today that would support the show. I'd really, really appreciate that. And of course, anytime we have a guest on, especially when I really, really enjoy that guest's work personally, I tell you to go get their books and I'd highly, highly recommend going to get a copy of any of Leo's books. I like Invisible Master, Confessions of the Illuminati, all the the entire series, uh, volume 666. We were referencing the Cyber Satan in the last segment. Go grab a copy of one of Leo's books. You will not be disappointed. Very, I read a lot of books, Leo, and your books are very unique in the in the field of stuff that I read, and I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, it's uh, good to be appreciated by a colleague like you, who also I appreciate uh, your work uh, very much uh, because your book, uh, your books, uh, various books that you have given me have proven uh, really uh, like uh, filled with knowledge <laughs> that is uh, comes from a similar kind of uh, also uh, point of view, but also understanding that you don't have to just stop uh, on the surface you have to dig deeper to really realize what things are are especially in the in the world of secret societies in the occult realm we are talking about for example uh, what happened in new york uh, new york uh, between the 70s and 80s uh, with uh, all the people who were there we were talking about of course uh, andy warhol but there were people also like uh, harry everett smith for example which is also a very important and controversial uh, guy who was very much uh, important uh, as a figure for his influential anthology of American folk music, uh, which uh, uh, kind of like became very important. uh, um, It was three albums that were published basically uh, in uh, 1952 that then influence a lot of other artists later on and why i'm talking about harry everett smith because apart from being also one of these people who was pushing uh, lsd and experimenting with it he was also a gnostic bishop of the ordo templi orientis and he had a very important role in the ep movement but then there were other people like alejandro jodorowsky for example the director and author alejandro jodorowsky who 
who made films like El Topo, The Holy Mountain, uh, which uh, of course are uh, filled with uh, uh, esoteric and occult elements. Uh, and um, then we have, uh, of course, uh, always in the same period, the people like the poet Angus MacLeese uh, or uh, that uh, was also one of the founding members of the Velvet Underground for example, then you had of course musicians like Lou Reed uh, and many others who were hanging out uh, also in the bunker of William Barrows for example, like Frank Zappa Alan Gizm, Debbie Harry uh, Patti Smith uh, Kate Earing, which was actually my grandmother's neighbor <laughs> and, and my grandmother used to like I said before, used to be even the public relation for William Barrows and people like Brian Geis and so I've also um, dealt in volume 8 in talking very much about the very roots of the beat generation and what this uh, what was the beat generation what was its role in this transformation from the beatniks into the hippie movement and uh, how they were manipulated and how at one point William Barrows himself understood this manipulation and uh, when um, Timothy Leary uh, got him uh, his uh, first LSD uh, he wasn't really that appreciative of it uh, and understood the dangers of this uh, of this drug and what they were trying to do um, one thing about William Barrows was that he was very controversial, of course, very controversial. We all know him for his uh, uh, book, Naked Lunch, many other books. And he, he also did a book called The Wild Boys, which inspired, by the way, songs like Wild Boys from Duran Duran, as well as Boy George, because Boy George calls himself Boy George, that boy comes from the protagonist of this book, The Wild Boys, which was kind of... I didn't know that. The Wild Boys is a book which I suggest you read because it's like a Norwegian gay novel, dystopian. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I ended up uh, because of, in fact, in my book, I show actually also the, 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 the apart from the images of my grandmother with Brian Guys and also the, the dedication uh, that I made on the Wild Boys, which subtitle was A Book of the Dead. It was a book that uh, it influenced very much the culture, I mean, uh, then there was this um, Make Boy that came out in 1976. I was founded, and then everybody started to wear that hat. You remember in the middle of the 80s, the Pet Shop Boys, Boy George, uh, and then everybody was wearing this hat, Boy. And this, uh, this became very popular, this clothing line, the Boy brand, which actually they tried to relaunch like 10 years ago. And, and, and it was actually all from this uh, from this actual uh, book of William Barrows. William Barrows was extremely influential with uh, with also other uh, people from the music business, uh, like David Bowie, for example. He was extremely influential with David Bowie. He worked, he collaborated with David Bowie. Um, and then there was also Kurt Cobain. Uh, one uh, before Kurt Cobain died, in rather mysterious circumstances, and Kurt Cobain uh, did this uh, very weird record uh, with William Barrows. Um, and he, he actually, when he met William Barrows, because they actually met in person after working at a distance for this project, the priest, they called him, which was this recording project they did together, they met, toge they met and Barrows saw 
not the guy had some problems actually, uh, but. Uh, People might not know, but Kurt Cobain even wanted, uh, he wanted Anton LaVey to play the violin for one of his tracks. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. did not so, know that. I mean, there is uh, a lot of these anecdotes and, and news and information on Volume 8 that I'm sure people will, will uh, enjoy. But, uh, I mean, Kurt Cobain said that William Barros, meeting William Barros and doing a record with him uh, made him uh, really thankful, equating even the importance of the project to his own family. So imagine the importance he was giving to this. Uh, and for me, uh, like I said, uh, it was a per- per- personal matter to write about Barros and guys and all these people mm-hmm. that were hanging out uh, initially to tell because my grandmother used to work with them. In fact, uh, in my book, I cite what was the, 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 the both, um, especially William Barros, he wrote uh, a couple of uh, um, things that were included uh, um, in, in, in the, how you say, in the back of the books. You know, when you introduce a book, you know, you have at the back of the book uh, with some uh, maybe famous people writing about this book, where well, William Barrows in both of my grandmother's uh, bestsellers uh, wrote uh, about her. And so I also cited what uh, Barrows wrote about, about my grandmother, who, by the way, was like all these people, not only involved in the art world, but had been in the past also involved in intelligence activities. Yes. And that if you, I, I'm sure you've read or you know of weird scenes inside the can by David uh, McGowan, you know, of that book? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that, that's that's a really good book. And so uh, it sounds like a lot of this stuff is actually in your your volume eight. Well, I think that we, here I'm going even more in-depth in certain um, elements that are connected, I guess, also with the, the contemporary world, for example. Now, for example, we don't know, but Vladislav uh, Surkov, for example, who is uh, considered the great cardinal Vladimir Putin, mm-hmm. well, he's a big fan of uh, William Barrows. He was actually him who kind of like through his fixation of William Barrows, when I launched my track, because I published a, a record in the early 2000s called True American Hero, which was dedicated to William Barrows, with William Barrows on the cover. And then there was this photo of uh, family photo also of Geisen in the center. For those who don't know, William Barrows and Brian Geisen are the ones who elaborated uh, and kind of launched the cut-up technique. is basically cutting up words as well as uh, pieces like art. Oh, like, like I, I've heard that referred to as witch language. That's the term I've heard, witch language. But okay, well, how do you spell that? Cut-up technique, or découpé in French, they call it. Okay. It's, it's basically a concept that they, goes back to the Dadaist of the 1920s, but it was uh, popularized in the 50s and 60s by both Barus and Geisen. Uh, he did some, a lot of work using this. Both of them this, so, did a lot of work using I know. this technique. Like they will cut up, for example, they will cut up uh, photos, then they will add elements of painting and things. And all this, of course, then 
you have to understand that Barros as well, Geisen actually introduced Barros to the technique when he was at the famous Beat Hotel, which then gives the name to the Beat Movement. Mm-hmm. And it was a small kind of like rundown hotel. In the, I stayed there myself. <laughs> it wasn't that great. <laughs> and, and I remember, I don't think there was even a bathroom in the room. You had to go along the stairs. But it was typical uh, of, of typical French. I used to actually go and visit in Paris with my grandmother, Brian Geisen, in the last years of his life. And in the early uh, 80s, uh, he uh, put together, uh, it was him, uh, it was Brian Geisen, William Barrows, and Genesis Pioric with uh, Cabaret Voltaire and other groups. They put together this show they were bringing around, and my grandmother was actually helping promoting this whole event. And uh, there was the involvement of, uh, that was the first time I encountered Genesis Pioric, which is also an important figure in my book in volume eight. I talk about him because Genesis Pioric, I don't know if you ever heard about him much about his work, um, but he was a very particular kind of guy. He created this uh, occult secret society, the Temple of Psychic Youth, he was very much, he just died, uh, I think, two or three years ago during the pandemic, I think he died. But uh, he was living here now in, in, in America, Genesis Pioric, but in reality, he was English and he had been, he's like with the Temple of Psychic Youth and what he created behind the rave scene, he was the guy who actually launched all the latest trends that you see now in the young people. He was the guy who launched uh, piercing. He was the guy who launched tattooing on a massive level. They had another secret society called Esoteric Order of the Dagon, in which there was him, Michael Aquino, and other people. Did, hey, Leo, did I ever tell you that Michael Michael Aquino contacted me? Ah, yeah, he contacted me about four, I don't know four years ago now, and he said, "I've I've listened to your show, and I would like to do a show with you about some of these these topics." And I got back to him, and Hello. he. I, we never ended up going to the show. He passed. He passed away. But I thought yeah. that was kind of strange. <laughs> he was listening yeah, he was, to the show. He was listening to the show. Interesting. That's very well. I had contacts with Michael Aquino, uh, and uh, back in the days I was in the Monte Carlo Lodge because we were trying to bring him there for a conference. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, he confessed to me that he was actually lying more on this. Te- he was actually a disciple of the Theosophical Society of Adyar. The one that uh, uh, with uh, Alice, uh, the, the one that with Danny Besant tried to launch Krishna Murti, basically. And um, and he told me basically, and I was kind of shocked about the fact that he was promoting the Theosophical Society with me. To tell you the truth, <laughs> it was a, I was like, wow, it's coming really in the open because the roots of modern Satanism are in the Theosophical Society all the milieu of the Theosophical Society. Without the Theosophical Society, there will have been no TO, no, uh, and then there will have been no Church of Satan, there will have been nothing. The, the Madame Blavatsky, 1875, launched this uh, Theosophical Society that also became the inspiration that led to Nazism. That's because, right, yeah. you know, then you have uh, Guido von Liszt, uh, von Liebenfels, both people, the creators of Ariosophy, and basically at the basis of all those... Of like all the, Thule, the Thule Society? 
Yeah, because then uh, people from the Guido von Liszt Society, which was established in 1908, became then involved with the Thule, which was a regional uh, Grand Lodge uh, of, uh, the, um, of, of the German Northern, founded by Fritsch in 1912. The Azov Battalion, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and it was uh, partly because of that 11-month period of blindness in 1902 that Guido von Liszt started his, uh, to incorporate runology, and, uh, and, and then that is like the moment which launched what is known as the Armanen runes, which are also defined as pseudo runes because he added uh, i think an extra one in inside and and this is like at the basis of then the the, the like you said the the two legacy itself uh, that was of course uh, enormously influential and the work conducted by rudolf uh, uh, von sembottendorf uh, also then included uh, uh, the elements that uh, he picked up from the teachings he got uh, in Turkey because he got initiated in Turkey in the island of Saloniko by the Temudi family which uh, uh, had this big library and in this library he found the teachings of the Bektashis of the Turkish Ottoman Freemasonry which uh, gave uh, almost an occult weapon to Adolf Hitler because it was published in 1924 the year in which Hitler was arrested for uh, nine months. He was uh, in this castle with uh, Rudolf Hess and he practiced, practiced these teachings. What are these teachings? They're basically practical alchemy, a transformative tool. You, they are a mix of Rosicrucian elements together with uh, Islamic alchemy. And what are the teachings of the Bektashi? Uh, some of them based uh, on uh, on repeating uh, certain uh, surahs of the Quran, but also certain elements of Gnosticism like Iyahu. Yeah, oh, you know, like like a mantra, no? And yes, but, yes. Uh, but each letter was then uh, you had a ten minutes practice that Hitler used to do, in which uh, you do with the, the hand, you do the finger pointing your uh, index on the uh, when you're doing e, then the a, you do the a letter like you're doing a compass, you know, like with your hand on top, and you do a, uh, and then you go on the o, and you shut the index with the uh, how you say with the thumb, and you form a no. And uh, then you are supposed to do this meditation repeatedly until you get a particular taste in your tongue and you start seeing certain colors. Green was the ultimate color that you will reach and that led also to the use of uh, green pencils by most of the Nazi party leadership. Leo, let me ask you this. I've got two things I wanted to bring yeah. up to you before I forget. Uh, Jim Morrison from The Doors. I'm, yes. pr I'm pretty sure Jim Morrison was highly inspired. The whole band was named after Doors of Perception, that book published by Huxley, Aldous Huxley, about his experiences under the influence of mescaline. Could you talk about that quickly? 
Well, in my book, I talk about that because, of course, Adolf Huxley was the head of MK Ultra at one point here in the U.S. He arrived from an experience that was done within the Tavistock Institute. This was confirmed by General Stabeldine. You, you remember that the guy who made the, a lot of controversy regarding 9-11, the fact he didn't accept the official narrative. Uh, General Stabeldine, he was, uh, I don't know how you... How you uh, uh, General Stubline. Stubline. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it either. So, <laughs> uh, if you remember who I talk about, he died in 2017. Albert Bert Newton Stubble. It's pronounced S T U B B L E B I N E. Uh, it's a bit. He was part of. Of um, he worked, of course, with uh, military intelligence in what was all the experimentations conducted around MK Ultra, and in fact, he worked with Colonel Alexander, who was also and is still alive. Colonel Alexander, who I think Brad also at one point met, Colonel Alexander, the guy who is also in the Temple of Set with Michael Aquino. Let me ask you one other question real quick, because we're almost out of time and I want to give you a few minutes to... to uh, uh, just to say that Corn, that general confirmed that, uh, I mean, he made an interview, confirmed that uh, Huxley was the head. And so what happened was this dose of perception and what happened in Venice Beach is very important. In fact, Venice Beach, uh, there was uh, a portal that was open in a way, a demonic one, especially during a ritual that was conducted in 2012, in which James Franco was also supposed to participate. And this is also a topic I discuss in volume eight. This is what I think too. I think everything, whether it's the music industry, whether it's Hollywood in general, uh, the military, even the uh, Trinity bomb test out in uh, New Mexico at White Sands, uh, Jack Parsons, the rocket experiments, Werner von Braun, all these people seem to be obsessed with uh, interdimensionality, uh, being able to contact well, something on the other side. Well, that's a very interesting thing that this year's uh, Oscars was given to a film that treats the subject of multidimensionality. I think that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, and 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 that re and that makes me think too because you you had mentioned Gnosticism earlier, and it made me think Blake Lemoyne is a Gnostic priest, but he was one of the Google engineers who said that Lambda reminds me of Aleister Crowley's Lamb that looks like a little gray alien mm -hmm. uh, that that it had come to life and that it's kind of sentient. And it, may, it just makes me think, going back to your Confessions, Volume 666, mm. uh, this is all about the age of cyber Satan, artificial intelligence and robotics. These people are obsessed mm -hmm. with summoning, invoking, conjuring, creating, whatever you want to call it, these things into existence because they think it gives them power. And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah well, I, I mean, when it comes down to getting uh, power, they, they, of course, get power the moment they give something to these elemental, or they ask something to these elementals, to these demons that they summon. But let's never forget that for what they are asking, they always have to give something in return. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's always uh, that, that is the, the, the thing that a lot of people don't understand about the occult. It's like uh, you can uh, you can't really play with it because the moment in which you are playing with it, then you are not offering something to this entity. This entity wants something. You either sacrifice a chicken. Uh, you have to sacrifice uh, uh, some cattle of any kind uh, uh, or lamb or you sacrifice at times, unfortunately, people sacrifice little children or sacrifice a virgin or whatever, but you have to sacrifice something. That's the only way then they don't come after you. Otherwise, you are dead the moment if you start playing with that kind of stuff. Would you say there's a, I don't know how to word this, but let me try to word this really quick for the last question and then I'll give you a moment to, to mention all your books and whatnot again. 
do you think there could be a positive element to sacrifice and uh, and whatnot in a way only from the point of view of sacrificing the ego, sacrificing the things that draw you into the material world and being able to give up the ego and almost transcend to a more spiritual state of existence? I mean, I guess maybe Christians would call that being born again. Do you have any thoughts on that? Sacrifice? So you mean animal sacrifice? No, the sacrifice of your own soul. No, 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 not at all. I mean, sacrificing. You're sacrificing things that really hold you into the physical world, like drugs and ah, renouncing. You meaning renouncing to something that to obtain something else? In the sense that, of course, you 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 have to renounce to certain things in order to obtain others. It's about renouncing, though. Renouncing. Okay, that's a better word. Like overcome, yeah. overcoming the ego and trying to connect yeah. more directly with God. Yes, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, the, when we talked just a moment ago about um, the, the, the doors of perception, we talked about the corner Alexander. These people, there is a film, the man who stared at uh, who stared goats. at goats, you know, yeah, goats. and then they made all this uh, into a very Hollywood kind of movie uh, where all these people were uh, basically uh, conducting these experiments and all that but remember that they were at times using elements that are occult in nature but without really respecting the rules of the occult Mm -hmm. Uh, when it comes to your own personal sacrifice to get closer to God that is a spiritual journey of ascension Uh, And, of course, you are not really demanding anything from God. You are demanding something from yourself, to renounce something from yourself in order to ascend and being able to be closer to God. And in that case, closer to the angel, to the angelic realm, let's say. Yes, not the infernal. Uh, Not the (laughs) infernal one. And that is also why a lot of people are not capable to reach generally the angelic realm and there is a lot of uh, spurious angelic realm talk in the new age uh, uh, phenomena which I despise I mean a lot of people within the new age movement say oh I talk with angels I did this with an angel I did this other. and they even establish protocols you know of, of sorts in which establishing connection with the angels Maybe we could maybe we could discuss that the next time you're on. Actually, I don't know if you know of David Wilcock. David Wilcock, he has said that he talks to the angel Michael, the archangel Michael. And this is this is oh God, <laughs> yeah, Leo. Uh-huh. This is literal. I'll find the clip and send it David to you. Wilcock is such well, well, he says joke, he, he, he is a joke. He, he says he'll, he talks to him. He literally said that the archangel Michael told him, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not joking with you to pee in a bathtub and lay in it, like lay in the bathtub and in, in your own urine. And that will give you psychic powers. He, I swear to God, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing to do, but I swear to God, he actually says that that's what he tells people. I talked to the Archangel Michael. He said to urinate in the bathtub and then lay in it. <laughs> but is there people who still follow these jokers? Yeah, there are. St- I mean, he has certainly lost a lot of followers, but there's a lot of people like him that uh, newer people that are saying the same thing that you just said. They're talking to angels and aliens and they've got all the secret information and just. Yeah, that is like, for example, also that other guy what's his name who established that protocol that uh, Stephen uh, Greer. Greer. Yeah, oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. that is another guy who is completely pushing you towards the demonic. I mean, anybody who invites you to meditate uh, and in, in the expectation of aliens under the skies and devising some protocol for interaction with these beings that then appear, 
that is not something that I would suggest in any way. Let's talk about that the next time you're on, Leo, because we're out of time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, I thank all your listeners for this very interesting discussion. I hope that they will appreciate uh, also the books if they might, uh, if they get hold of them. And uh, next time we might go in deeper into the this uh, this topic uh, yes sir especially you the topic to it. Of, uh, of yeah because there is so much manipulation now that is conducted and so many so many people are led astray and then we don't really have any more uh, a genuine truth movement nowadays it's all like uh, kind of like it's it's, it's so, so fake no and they are promising ascension to some kind of knowledge, to some kind of illumination. They say, don't worry, you are about to ascend. <laughs> yes. It's a complete joke. Huh? It, it is absolutely a joke. Real quick, the last minute we have here, uh, I'm just curious. We had talked about it off air. My book, Liberty Shrug, that you reference. Yeah. Did that in any way help you with your citizenship studies? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's, 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 of course, uh, I'm sure that they're not going to go so much in debt. Uh, no, it's <laughs> no, of but course. Definitely it's a great uh, book to reference to if you, if, if, if you want to make Bella figura, as we say in Italy. And uh, for me, it's very important to make Bella figura because for me uh, also really um, arriving finally to uh, the American citizenship is, is, is for me, um, the realization of something because uh, really it, it is still a country that uh, that can uh, that has no other countries like it in the world there is only one true democracy in the world which is america well, i don't accept the republics in europe because i think that all of them were constructed by the illuminati uh, after the french revolution just to destroy the monarchies some of them are constitutional monarchies which are a joke too the only monarchy which survived of course was the one in league with the whole system of the illuminati which is the british one uh, which is, of course, a joke too. But uh, all that uh, led for the establishment of this 1776 republic on which we stand. However, I will. Uh, I hope that one day you read the last chapter of Volume Seven because I also say this republic on which we stand has an expiry date. Well, I'm looking to get my hands on that copy of uh, Volume Seven, Leo, and I, and I think uh, as we go out here tonight, Leo Zagami, a true American. I'm really glad that uh, everything's working out for you, my friend. Thank you so much. And God bless you, guys. God God bless bless you too, Leo. Thank you so much. All right. You have a good night. Leo Zagami, our guest this evening, a good friend of the show and a good friend of mine. Really appreciate Leo coming on. I appreciate all of you listening to what we had to discuss tonight. A lot of in-depth details. If you'd like to reach out to me, rdgable at yahoo.com. Thesecretteachings.info is our website. Grab a copy of one of Leo's books. You won't regret it. Grab a copy of one of my books. I promise you, you also won't regret it. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. A lot of really great things coming up this week. You don't want to miss those shows. Laura Lavender, uh, Andrew Cox from Nexus Occult Books. A really fun week. 